Welcome to A Voice for Creators. I'm your host, Daniel Norton. This week, I want to talk a little bit about fear and a couple of different types of fear that might be holding us back as creators. Uh, Some of the reasons why they exist, maybe ways to get around it, some advice. And of course, I'd love to hear from you on kind of how you've managed to get past these things. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is the fear of missing out. I heard this pop up again recently, FOMO, and I was like, oh, right, I've heard that before. And it's a really interesting idea that mostly I've heard it used in kind of social circles where it's kind of like, well, it's a new uh, you know, platform we want to be on or a new place you want to show your work. You don't want to miss out on that. So you're constantly scattered looking to make sure you're on every new thing because just in case that becomes the newest Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or whatever, whatever you want to think of as a platform that blew up, right? You want to make sure you're on that. Because if you're not on it, it might be too late, right? In some people's minds, maybe you won't be an early adopter and you won't be able to get as much success, or maybe you won't be able to get the name you want or, you know, many other things, right? So what we'll do as creators, and this is not just on social media, of course, it's on everything you hear. There's a new, you know, type of gear that's out there, a new technique. You want to learn how to do it all. You want to get all over the place because you don't want to be the person that's not doing that thing when the thing becomes popular. And this kind of chasing uh, trends and stuff or reactive action is not, in my opinion, the best way to really truly grow as a creator. I guess because I came from a background of fashion photography, I kind of look at these things a little differently. I often say that I didn't spend a lot of time looking at other photography. It's not that I don't like photography. It's that as a fashion photographer or somebody trying to kind of set trends or be on the edge of trends, you weren't looking at popular media because by the time it hit there, you know, that's the cliche, right? By the time it's in a fashion magazine, it's too late. And that's exactly, I think, on some level, what people want to try to avoid. (laughs) And that's the whole fear of missing out, right? But I think we're looking at it the wrong way. I remember when I was uh, fresh out of college, I was working, I think I mentioned this before, I worked developing shoes for Reebok, the sneaker company. And I was in development, so kind of the, I'll get into that another time. But in any case, um, the I would talk a lot with the designers and their frustration was often that people at the top, you know, CEO type people would be like, well, Nike is, is doing well with black shoes. So design some black shoes or they're using thick soles. So design something with thick soles because that's the trend. But what they didn't understand as business people and not as artists was that, yeah, they're selling a lot of these shoes and you can do that. And of course, people do duplicate things. I'm not saying that doesn't work, but you will never be the leader by following. (laughs) You know, you've got to try, at least on some level, to break out on your own. So the idea, at least as far as creative process, we'll get back to social media in a second, of being afraid of missing out by not following trends might actually work against some of us because if we are trying to be our own creator, create things that we love, but we're like, well, I want to do this, but instead I'm going to do macro photography because that's popular now, or I want to paint in oils, but you know, watercolors are popular now, or I want to draw in this style, but this is the style that's popular now, or this is the style of music that's popular now. A lot of times what will happen is we'll just be jumping around from trend to trend We might still enjoy it. I'm not saying we won't create good work, but we'll never branch out. And I think to really stand out, to really make that next level, whether we're talking about commercial or just, you know, artistic success, you know, when I say commercial and artistic, what I mean is money and 
fame, I guess, for lack of a better word, but to really stand out and not just get a few likes from people because they're liking everybody who use blue gels. We need to try things. We need to experiment, which I'm going to get into in a minute. We need to mess around with what's in our head and put it out there in a way that we believe is the right way. We have to step out there. So going back to me as a fashion photographer when I was younger, what what I would do is I would go to places where younger people, because that's usually where fashion is set, even though it's a bunch of old people that own the that own the fashion companies, young people are, is where fashion is set. And you would just look at people. You know, you'd go out people watching. You'd go to areas where, you know, kids hang out. This I don't mean this in any kind of weird way, but like you'd go to places where people would hang out, like the mall, right? Or like places where play, they play sports or whatever. And you're seeing, you're interacting with people that are younger. Of course, at that point, I was only 20 myself. So it's not like I was, you know, hanging out in a, a, a park when I was 50 years old. But you, you get what I'm saying. You want to be around younger people. So this might be, uh, this is fashion. You, this might be, you know, people that are in your family. Maybe you have uh, cousins or uh, nieces, nephews, or possibly grandchildren, depending on your age. And you can see what they're doing. Because what the young people are doing is going to be what's going to become creative in the big trends later. Rarely, <laughs> rarely, unless they're a famous person, are trends actually created by older people. The older people make them more popular. They'll popularize them, I guess is a good way to say it. But they watch other people. You know, I, I remember very specifically when I was in early in college that um, when the grunge fashion trend took off, as I saw that start to pop into the magazines, I was just looking around me. I was like, yeah, this is the way that art students that I was knew had been dressing for like three, four years before it appeared in the magazines, right? So it's kind of like they were already doing it. And now those that maybe weren't exposed to that uh, community we're seeing it and then it becomes a popular trend. This is true for music and everything else, right? You People start doing something, to food even, right? Like there's certain types of food that maybe certain communities eat and they're delicious, you know? And then for whatever reason, it's highlighted, let's say on a TV show or, uh, you know, people, somebody opens a restaurant or there's just some things going on and it'll kind of spread it out into the culture. So this is kind of how things like that are spread. And if you want to be ahead of it, what you want to do is... Be always aware of what's around you and take from it what you can. This is kind of a side, kind of really step to the side here, but this is again, kind of solution, right? Instead of following, instead of being afraid you're going to miss out on the trend of whatever it might be, look for the next one. Be aware of them before they happen so that you are an early adopter, right? That's the plan. Now, you can't always be an early adopter because obviously you don't know everything. You're not in every trend. You're just going to miss a lot of it. That's just the nature of the beast. If we're talking social media, what I recommend that you do is try to put your footprint on any new social media platform that appears, but don't put a whole lot of effort into it at first. That being said, so for instance, let's say that Instagram was just starting today and I found out about it. I'm like, people are like, oh, you have this new Instagram thing. And I was like, oh, I don't know what that is. Well, people are posting photos, whatever. I'm like, well, okay, so photographers might go there. I'm going to go have an account. I'm going to put my profile picture up. I'm going to list myself as a photographer. Maybe I'll put a picture. And then in my bio, I'm going to say something like, be sure to follow me over on YouTube or wherever I am, right? Because what I want to do is make sure that my main presence, the presence that that I see as myself, is the one that gets put everywhere. So if I'm on platforms like TikTok or Facebook or Tumblr, Flickr, these things, they should all be pointing back to what is my main thing. And maybe your main thing is 
let's say Instagram or it's YouTube, like if, for me or this podcast. So wherever I am, I'm on Twitter, but I'm always trying to send people to my podcast because this is where I really talk to you. Like I put tweets on Twitter, obviously, and little clips from the show. And if you don't follow me on Twitter, you can. But um, that information is in the description, by the way. But what I will say is that mostly I want you to come here. This is where, this is my space, right? This is where I want you to come and listen. And this is one of those places that I can actually express and talk about the things I want to talk about to you directly. And hopefully you're getting something from it and you're able to talk back or you know send me messages or get some kind of a positive loop from it. So for instance, Clubhouse. I don't know how popular Clubhouse is right now because when Clubhouse first popped up, I didn't drop everything to go to Clubhouse. So Clubhouse is, if you don't know, is basically this like voice platform where people could come and talk and people host rooms and you can like raise your hand and talk to people. So it would almost be like an interactive podcast. And perhaps this podcast done live on Clubhouse could be interesting. I don't know if people are on Clubhouse. Let me know. You know, you can call in using the Anchor app. Of course, the uh, link is in the show notes. You could also send me an email at rmavoice at gmail.com. But anyways, that's a side note. So for instance, that was one of them, right? I was doing a podcast. I have another podcast for, for gaming, if you don't know that. And, uh, you know, several podcasters were like, oh, oh, we got to go to this clubhouse. And I went and I was like, let me get an account. Let me set myself up. Let me see what it's about. That way I'm there if it does blow up and become something people are really going to use a lot in my circles or that I feel like it'll work for me. But I didn't drop my podcast to go to clubhouse. This is what we're talking about, the fear of missing out. You don't want to drop everything in order to not miss out on something. What you want to do is be aware of what's happening around you, but always be cognizant of your core. Think about a single platform that best represents what you're trying to put out there in the world. If you're trying to put out, let's say, photography, you're a photographer, maybe your platform is Tumblr, let's say, or Instagram. If you are a writer, maybe your platform is a blog or possibly Twitter. Maybe your platform, if you're a filmmaker, is YouTube. So we can say, all right, so I'm a writer. I'm going to have a blog and that's my main platform, but I'm still going to be on Instagram, possibly with uh, behind the scenes uh, shots of things I'm investigating that I'm going to write about in my blog, possibly with clips from the blog. Maybe I'm reading parts of it, right? And I'm going to film that. Maybe I'm also on Twitter putting, again, clips from the blog putting links to it so people can come back. But the blog is still my center. And when something new comes up, let's say Clubhouse or whatever, YouTube, you, then I can say, well, I should definitely get an account there because I want to make sure that I don't miss that, right? So I'm still kind of doing that if you're missing out. But don't be scattered. Don't run everywhere. I had read, I forget who said it now, but they were talking about the idea of the word busy. And they said, if you find yourself constantly telling people that you're really busy, then you're not in control of your life. You should be active and working towards goals all the time, but busy has this connotation of being overwhelmed and out of control. And we don't want that. We don't want to be overwhelmed and out of control. We want to be in control. We want to be scheduled. We want to be able to do what we got to do. And it's usually other people that piling stuff on us that make us busy. <laughs> so we want to be, well, maybe that's a whole other, let me know if you want to hear about that kind of stuff, like time management and stuff here uh, for an artist, obviously not for a general person, but let's skip that for now. So the idea of chasing everything as it comes up is the fear of missing out. And we want to try to avoid that. Everybody's got it. You're going to constantly say, and there will be platforms that you don't join. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I really should join that platform. But you know what? 
He didn't. That's the way life is. Join when you get a chance. If you've got a fairly common name, like apparently I do, it's sometimes hard to get my name on platforms. So I do try to get in early. But again, I don't, and I've made this mistake. I'm not just giving blind advice here where I jump on every platform and try to get be popular or be busy or be active on all of them. And it's just too much. You can only do so much. So you really want to think about your core, like I said, and then find from there, circle out. So if my core is YouTube, let's say for my photography, my photography teaching. So if anybody come to the podcast and doesn't know about that, I have a YouTube channel, Daniel Photographer, and that's really my core, right? That's where a lot of my audience is. And from that audience, from that YouTube audience, I should say, I also have Instagram because Instagram is where I show work. And primarily now on Instagram, I'm showing stuff for this podcast, which is becoming my core. And the podcast is my core or my YouTube channel is my core. And anything else I do is to send people to them. Don't try to make each one of your social media platforms their own core because you won't be able to maintain that. It'll just be too hard to do that. Now, as far as art's concerned, the same is true. If you are, and I've talked about this before, specialist versus generalist, if you are doing something and you're aiming for a goal and you want to be, let's say, a portrait photographer, then make portraits your main thing. Even if you do other work, still mention that. You go to a little league game to photograph it and you're hired to shoot the, the things. Also try to do portraits for the for the sports. If you are you know, a wedding photographer by trade and you're doing a portrait, let people know that you do weddings. Always push everything you you are do into that core so that you're not spreading yourself out too thin and being too reactive. Any of this stuff you add on that you're afraid of missing out on should really just be arrows pointing back to your core. Don't spread yourself out too much is my advice there. Now, the other fear I'm going to talk about here is the fear of failure. This is really common. Basically, we don't want to fail, right? I mean, nobody wants to fail, right? But failing is an important step in growth. And I was reading an article the other day and they were talking about the idea with, this happens with kids, like high school kids and stuff, that when we challenge them with unusual and hard projects to do, that's how they grow, right? That's a good way to do it. You give them something challenging, something they've never done before, make them reach out and try something new. But a lot of times the problem is when they are unsuccessful, they are then told, well, you didn't do it. You're given a bad grade or whatever. And what that actually does is it creates a situation where they're going to know their current limit and they're going to try to stay there so that they always succeed. It's better to get an A at the standard level than a C at the advanced level because what people really look at is the A grade. I know I'm talking to the whole world here, so I don't know if the grades in other countries are the same, but A is your highest grade, then B, then C, then D, then I'm trying to explain that. That's kind of an odd thing. But anyways, the what you want... But so the solution here to me is you want people to understand that trying, right, and growing. In fact, when I was in college, one of the things that we graded ourselves on we at the end of the semester, like we would talk about our work and stuff, was improvement. Like, did we move towards our goal? Did we improve in the areas we wanted to improve? Not did we make this a certain goal, not that there was a set number to do, not that there was, you know, get so many people, of course, there was no social media like we have now, but not that we got a certain number of people to like like our thing or to buy our product, but it was, are we better than we were before? Did we move in the direction we wanted? If we wanted to be better at black and white printing, did we get better at it? And it doesn't matter all the failures that came in the end. What did we learn from it? Each individual picture that we made where we screwed up doing the dodging and burning, that didn't matter. What matters in the end, were we better for it? And hopefully we were, you know, and it wasn't your whole grid 
it wasn't your whole grade wasn't tanked if you if you weren't better for it, but that was what your goal was, right? So this should be the goal for both kids, obviously, and adults. When you try something, when you put yourself out there, you should know that you're probably not going to succeed 100% the way that you want to, especially if it's something difficult and challenging. And if you are doing something that you know you'll succeed 100%, then it's not difficult and challenging and you're not going to grow from it. If you know that you can always get a decent headshot by putting the light in the Rembrandt position and a hair light this way and a grid on the background and that's like a gimme. Cool, that's fine when somebody's paying you and you gotta get something done real quick, but you're never gonna grow if you're always doing it that way. Try moving the light around. Try different camera settings. Try different lenses. Try different mediums if you're a painter or an artist. Try to draw, you know, digitally if you're normally drawing with charcoal. Try to paint with watercolors if you're using oil. Use spray paint. Try different things that you don't think that you would be able to necessarily achieve the level that you're at now with. So you're excellent at, you know, drawing with with pencils. Try drawing with markers. Maybe it's different, right? And you're not going to be as good with the markers as you were with the pencil. Your art will not actually, it'll go down in some level because, you know, that particular image. But what you learn from drawing with the markers in the end will make you a better artist overall in both your pencils and future things that you want to learn. This is obviously with photography, right? Try different types of lighting. So you're always using natural light. Go out, go inside the studio and try to light something. It'll probably be bad. But you know what? It will be something that you've learned and that that what you learn there will help you even with your natural light and of course vice versa. In fact, I think I've talked about this before where I was really lighting everything a lot and there was an artist that I, I liked their work and I talked to them and they they were like a natural light dude. They were like, oh, I get that light. I just look for natural light. And I thought, wow, you're achieving this amazing light that I really want to achieve just by walking around looking for it. I need to train my eye to do that. And I went out and shot a bunch and it wasn't always great. It wasn't nearly at their level when I first started. Now I think I'm pretty good at natural light, but it wasn't something that I was naturally good at because I had been doing something else. My muscle memory was for lighting, right? And when you can light everything up with a giant softbox outside, like you see a lot of people do now, you don't have to worry about anything, right? Because you have total control. But at the same time, that's almost like a win button that is a lose button if you don't have that light, right? So we want to push ourselves to try different things because in the end, that will give us more skills. Don't be afraid to fail. One thing that I've always done, still do, is actually if you watch my live streams, you've probably seen me do this to a certain extent, is I generally go into a project with an idea, you know, at least kind of how I do it because I've been doing this long enough that, okay, I'm going to make a beauty shot. So you put the beauty dish in the butterfly position. I'm going to have this kind of light, this ratio, whatever, blah, blah, this lens. But then once I get the shots that I want, I push it and I push it and I push it and I joke and I say, well, you just keep shooting until it gets bad. And that's actually where it is, right? You're pushing yourself to the point. You're trying things until you've gone past the point where it's really good. And what will happen is where at will be good. And then you'll, you'll get better and better and better. And then you'll crash. And that's okay because you can just step back because you still have that other good shot. You don't have to worry that you, the final result, the very last frame will say wasn't exactly what you wanted because it was something you were trying. And next time when you try it, you'll be better at it. And this failure is going to help us grow. We can't be afraid to fail. And one of the more common comments I get when I do uh, live presentations is exactly that. They like that when they watch my videos, they can see me go through the process. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't because I am trying stuff fresh. 
Whereas when you watch some people, you can tell it's a very canned process. They, they cut to just the perfect retouched image as soon as they point the camera at the model. And that's fine. And we learned a bit from that. But I think what we really learned from is failures, both watching other people and appreciating that they're trying. So we're giving them credit for that and we're not putting them down. Like I've talked about before, we're, we're like, wow, that was awesome that you tried to do that. Like, it's kind of a mess, but that's pretty cool, you know, as opposed to, oh, yeah, that guy sucks because he couldn't make that work. And Okay, you know, this is a different attitude and something that we really have to keep in mind. I've talked about this in other podcasts. We want to be supportive of people, support people pushing themselves, support people failing, and they hopefully will support you. That's the idea. We all want to move forward, and the only way we're going to do that is to push past where we are. And if you push past where you are, you're not going to succeed every single time. Don't be afraid of that. Embrace failure. And on some level, embrace missing out, right? Don't worry if you're not on every platform. If you're focusing on something, especially if you're new, if you're just starting, don't try to do everything. Don't make a portfolio that's got 50 different things in it. Focus. Focus on your core. You're not going to miss out, or you might you might miss a wedding that you could have shot because you focused on portraits. But in the end, you'll be a better portrait photographer for it, and you'll build that business. It's okay and normal to be afraid, but use that fear to your advantage to grow and become better at your art. One of the best ways to support this podcast is to give it a rating, five stars hopefully, and write a review. Also, you should share it with your friends because we want to grow this community out, get more and more people involved here. So please do share the podcast. But in any case, when I get reviews, I like to read them here. I've been traveling the last couple of weeks, so I pre-recorded, so didn't have any the last couple, but I do have one this week. This one is from Lost in Japan now uh, via Apple Podcasts uh, in Japan. Great show for aspiring or experienced photographers. Yes, I don't want to miss out, right? <laughs> no, but seriously, um, that's going to... But seriously, that's the. But seriously, that's kind of the point of this show is to talk about things that are more open-ended, where they're going to be important for people that are starting in photography, and also for people that have been shooting their whole lives. And it does seem from the comments and the interactions I've had that we've got a nice, diverse group here, and we want to keep growing it. So please do share the podcast. Adorama supports this podcast, and you can support them by going to adorama.com and picking up any of your photo, video, music computer needs. You can also check out adorama.com slash create no matter what, where there's tons of contests. So win-win there. So I've got a nice email here from Mark. It's a bit long, so I'll just hit parts of it here and uh, respond a bit. Of course, if you want to send me an email, adoramavoice at gmail.com is my email. You can either send me an email like this and I'll read it, or you can attach a voice file and I'll play it on the air and we'll get your voice on here. You could also, of course, leave a message using Anchor. So he's talking a bit about uh, the style uh, thing we've been talking about. The way you tackle style has been thought-provoking and really interesting. Thanks. Uh, as you may have gathered, I listened to a couple of photography-type podcasts. Uh, and he, you know, he tried a bunch, and he's, uh, there's a few that he really likes. But he's talking about this podcast here called The Candid Frame. I have not listened to this uh, yet. Uh, but uh, episode 568, they're talking about a uh, getting young people into street photography and the idea of ethics and consent when seeking permission to take photos. It, it's really interesting um, about this because there is that thing, right? I mean, I think that when we, of course, now I'm not reading anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm expounding. I think that you want to be, it's hard to be a good person. Let's just say that. I think we all need to try as best as we can, but, and what is a good person, right? I think that there's times where you want to catch something spontaneous 
So you don't necessarily want to ask, but I think what we really need to do when we're analyzing, and of course, other times you should ask, and sometimes it's a combination. You shoot a quick picture of somebody doing something and then you approach them. But I think the idea here is that you've really got to ask yourself, why am I doing this? And really be serious with yourself because there's a lot of people that take street photography pictures that I believe when I look at them uh, are kind of uh, exploitive, exploitive, as I said, and they'll be like, no, I had to document that. You know, I don't, I'm not buying it myself, but that's me. And remember that the images speak when you're not there. That's something that Seth says a lot. You know, it's like when we used to do critiques, you can sit there and defend the image all you want, but if you're not there to defend it and people are just looking at it, they're going to see what they see. And when I see an unflattering picture of a, let's say a street person or whatever, I immediately think, well, that person was not really sensitive to the situation here. And I, people will argue back. And I've seen people like talk about all these really famous pictures of like the depression and stuff. And it's like, yeah, if you think that's the same as what I'm talking about, you, you haven't looked at enough street photography. But anyways, I think there is certain ethics in there. And you've got to wonder why people are doing certain things. And also, I, I feel like there's this idea too of documenting something for ourselves and not showing it. So for instance, if I'm traveling, let's say, I don't know, I'm, I, probably wouldn't do this, but let's say this is a common thing people would do. I'm traveling to, let's say, a more impoverished part of the world, and I see these poor people, and they're, you know, having, just struggling through life. Maybe they, they look unhealthy, uh, or, you know, not, uh, let's say, up to the standards that we have as far as the way they're dressed and things. And I say we have, meaning like Western standards. Um, and I take a picture of that because it's interesting to me, and I want to remember it for whatever reason, maybe to, to think to myself, well, I'm very lucky to be in the place I am because I feel like somehow I'm lucky to be different, even though that's probably also not a really great way to think, but lucky to have be fed, I guess. But I'm not showing it to anybody, right? And if I just take the picture to show it and it's to get people to go, ooh, wow, that's really interesting. That's a different place. Again, is that really a good reason? But if I take it along and I read an article in a blog or whatever, or I do a show to raise money or put a link to a charity, that helps these areas, let's say with this droughts or whatever's going on there. That's a little different, right? I think it's different. It's the same photo, but it's all about context. And I think that's really important. It's not always about whether or not you, uh, you get permission from them. It's about what your intent with the image is, the intent when you're shooting it and the intent when you're showing it. So Marco's on to talk about process versus, versus style. He likes my thought on styles, other podcasters, uh, seem to spend a lot of time talking about, process um that leads to a style you know right he says it's kind of a chicken and egg discussion um you know and i, I think this is interesting because i think a lot of people don't read style the same way i do again i think a lot of people think of technique as style and this might not be what this podcaster is saying i didn't listen to it so i'm not going to get into that i honestly believe and maybe it's because my background that style has almost nothing to do with technique you generally will use certain techniques to get a style that you have but it doesn't really have it and if you look at the really, really famous big photographers, the ones that actually are historically, not the ones that are popular now or somebody who's got a lot of Instagram likes, but people who really set photography, look at a book, a history of photography book, you will see that these photographers, no matter what they shoot, whether it be street photography, whether it be portraits, whether it be landscapes, there's something about it that when you look at that image, you're like, oh yeah. That's a such and such image. You can see that connection. And that is style. That's it right there. It's it's almost intangible, but it's there. If you laid out 
five of their pictures and mixed them up with five contemporaries and you laid them on the table, you would see five pictures connected because those have a style, even if they're a different subject matter. To me, that style. So is there a process to it? I guess. I mean, my process, and I often say this, which maybe is less satisfying to people. <laughs> I think that you're already building your style. You just don't know it. And a style is something that you eventually recognize, not something you craft or work towards, right? And a lot of times when people say they're going to shoot in the style of somebody, again, this is why the word is, is loaded. They'll be like, oh, I'm going to shoot in the style of, you know, Richard Abaddon's American West series. And I'm going to, so you basically go out and you put somebody in Southern facing light and you put them against a white background and you shoot with eight by 10 camera and you get, yeah, try to get them to react like Abaddon did. That would be the challenge. But anyways, and you make these really beautiful portraits that, but that's not his style. That's just some techniques that he used to get that there. His style is the part that I kind of talked about there, how he got the people to do the thing, right? The style is about you. It's about your personality. It's about the, what you put down, what your soul that you put into your images. That's your style, not a technique. So I don't know that a pr the process to build it, I don't know. Maybe the process would be shoot what you really like to shoot. But anyways, I think that's interesting. It's awesome to talk to uh, other photographers and to listen to other viewpoints because words are funny, right? We we want to describe something, but sometimes you can't. You you just know it's a gut thing. And some people will look at that as the emperor's new clothes, and that's like a cop-out. But the reality is, is that there's parts of the art world, the art that we can't really, as artists especially, fully grasp. It's just kind of in us. And those that feel the same way that are at that point, at the same point you are, they know what you're talking about. There's that like nod. Because yeah, you're right. I understand that. And some aren't, you know, and there's different ways of going about things in life, of course. And that's that's the beauty of being a human, right? Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, if you want to send an email or a voice message like Mark did, at voice at gmail.com and I will discuss the subjects uh, that, you, <laughs> that you send in. If you uh, want to just come up with a different subject or comment on anything else, of course, feel free to do that as well. You can use the Anchor app to send one-minute messages. You just need to follow the link in the show notes. Thank you, Adorama, for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks, everybody who listens and for the great reviews. Again, please try to share the podcast around. We're trying to get our numbers up so that we can get in front of more people and uh, you know, get the voice out there, get your voice out there. I'll talk to you soon.